Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Tales Episode 3. I'm the best at what I do. Now if you didn't recognize that line, that's probably because you don't know our character as well as you can. Uh, that is a frequent line from uh, Wolverine. And we're going to delve into Wolverine a little bit more and hopefully give you a better sense of what you can expect if you actually read the comics versus just watching the movies. Uh, so let's get, let's get right into it. Our first appearance for Wolverine, uh, it was a cameo in The Incredible Hulk number 180 from October of 1974. Uh, he was fully shown, uh, except for the back panel, uh, from the previous issue, he was fully shown in The Incredible Hulk number 181 in November of 1974. Created by Roy Thomas, Len Wein, Rod, John Romita Sr., and inked by Herb Trimpey. Uh, Herb Trimpey did a lot of uh, The Incredible Hulk, uh, most of the artwork in the early to late 70s. Uh, very good artist, um, very rec well recognized. Uh, something interesting that I think you should know is this was a throwaway character. Um, this was not something that they they expected to have any life in it past this. There was really no expectation uh, when the character was created. Uh, it was asked by the um, publisher-in-chief at the time, would you create a Canadian character? Uh, so they came up with uh, the Wolverine uh, because it's a Canadian animal and felt like it was appropriate. Uh, in in the appearances, in the, in the first two issues there in Incredible Hulk 180 and 181, uh, Wolverine's claws did not retract. And I think that's something... Um, that's unique because we always think of the claws uh, coming out one, two, or three at a time. Uh, and they they were always designed by John Romita. He claims that they, they would retract because he meant them to be practical. He's, his quote is, I always expect him to be able to scratch his nose. So he did expect that they could retract. But in that episode, or those two issues, they did not retract. They were exposed the entire time. Uh, so we didn't see Wolverine again in, in any issues of any magazine, any comic book, until um, 1975, August 1975, in the revival of uh, X-Men, uh, specifically in Giant Size X-Men number one. Uh, he was a bit player at that point, and he did provide some tension to the group, but he was not necessarily the star of the group. Uh, and if you go back and read those, that issue from, episode, uh, from issue 94 on, of Uncanny X-Men, you'll see that he, early on there, he really wasn't much of a... He wasn't what he would become later in, in his uh, career. Because, again, he, he was new to the scene. They really didn't know him. He wasn't a known commodity. Like, if you look at him today, you say, well, Wolverine. Yeah, I know Wolverine. They didn't know him then. He, he was new. So the interesting thing was he was part of the revival of the X-Men, the X-Men book had been canceled uh, a couple years earlier and had been running some repeat issues for a while as new issues. They would number them as new issues, but they weren't really new issues, uh, re retelling some stories. Because, frankly, the, the X-Men was dull. It was boring, and it got canceled because people weren't buying it. Uh, one of the earlier books created, but it just didn't, didn't take off. Now, the interesting thing is Wolverine, when he was created... There's a couple different stories about his, his creation, but the one I find most interesting is he was supposed to have been an evolution of a wolverine, a mammal, into a humanoid wolverine. Now, John Romita 
senior claims that's not true, but it's persisted to this day, so we don't really know. Uh, there, there's some some of the early issues of the the uh, renewed X-Men, uh, there's an issue where he claims, he says, I don't believe in leprechauns, and leprechaun says, well, I don't believe in wolverines, humanoid wolverines. So... <laughs> You take that for what you what you want it to be, but it was it was a very interesting uh, take on how that would be uh, done. Now, when they had Wolverine starting out in these early reboots of X Men, there was a time when they really thought about getting rid of Wolverine. Chris Claremont uh, and Dave Cockrum uh, revived the X Men, and they really were in favor of keeping Nightcrawler and kind of really just getting rid of Wolverine. Which, if you think about that. If you've never read the comic books, you really don't know what Nightcrawler. He was in one of the X-Men reboot movies, and we'll talk about that when we get to X-Men. But you really don't know Nightcrawler. So the world could have been a lot different uh, had had they gotten rid of Wolverine. He, who knows what would have happened if he'd ever been used again or just kind of passed along the way. Uh, so I think that's very interesting. Now, Wolverine didn't get his own series till the late 1980s. He did get a miniseries. Uh, in 1982, just to kind of see if he was viable, uh, sold very well, and I have in the show notes uh, where you can get that, and I'll talk about that when we get to jumping off point. Um, so he really wasn't the the penultimate character that we think of when we, we when you think of Wolverine, you think of Wolverine and the X Men, you think of him as the lead character. He he just wasn't at that point, and it, it took a, quite a while for him to become. What we know of him as today, uh, and in that series, very interesting. He was he went by the name of Patch because he wore an eye patch, and kept company with a crime lord named Tiger Tiger, on the fictional island of Madripoor. So, totally removed from his X Men exploits. Uh, more, and we've talked about this with um, Spider Man and a little bit with Iron Man. He, it's more gritty. It's more. Dark, damp. Uh, it's just a darker story uh, in in this uh, his own series, Wolverine. And they tried to put him out with Marvel Comics Presents and give us some stories with the background. But this this really solidified him as something else. It, it was almost like he had a day job as an X Man and a, a night job as Patch. And um, while he would use his claws, he went to great lengths to not be recognized as uh, as Wolverine. And it's kind of interesting, if we ever talk about Superman, you can see that he puts glasses on and suddenly he's no longer recognizable as Superman. It's kind of the same disp- suspension of disbelief that simply putting an eye patch on this guy makes him look like not Wolverine. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's kind of ludicrous. But, you know, it's the comics, so... They just assume nobody knows who he is outside of uh, the mutant circles and such as it is. Um, we get to his origin, and this is something I think is extremely interesting. His origin was basically a mystery to him even uh, even up until the early 2000s. He didn't even know where he came from. Uh, thought to be done based on an experiment that created some of his uh, attributes, but nobody really knew. In 2001, 2002, there was a miniseries called Origin, and it revealed that he was much older than he ever thought, born in the late 1800s in Canada, and actually raises a sickly child named James Howlett. Uh, his history of Sabretooth is also shown from this point, and I think that's something to be key on there. But this is a great thing 
to understand. His history was in flux for almost 30 years, 28 years or so. That's a long time to not know the backstory and origin of a character. Because if you look at almost any other character in the Marvel Universe, we pretty much know their backstory right up front. And that didn't happen with this character. Now, I'm not saying every detail of every character is known, but you you can almost pick every almost any other character, especially the hero side, and you know their backstory pretty darn quickly. So it's it's amazing that this this goes on for this long, and it became a self fulfilling thing. Like, well, he's we just don't know where he come from. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery, and that's cool. But eventually, they had to come up with uh, some sort of backstory. And it, and it was definitely well-received and unique. Uh, now, that gets us off to the jumping-off point. And Origin is is a great jumping-off point because it gives you the... It takes away some of the mystery that the, the previous readers might have found. But I think it's a great, great opportunity to kind of get the backstory. And I like backstories. I, I like origin stories. I like pilots of TV shows. I like the, the start of something. Now, it can change from there, and it often does, and sometimes they rewrite the origins and rewrite how they came to get their powers. As you saw with Spider-Man in the movies, uh, things change a little bit from the first three Spider-Man movies to the last two. The origin of his powers slightly different than than what you expect. The first one was actually accurate. This, this last one's not quite so much. Um, so that's one stopping off point, jumping off point, and that is in the... Show notes. Another one is the Wolverine collected miniseries from 1982 about his time in Japan, which I kind of talked about earlier. And I've also put that trade paperback reference in there as well. Both are good places to start if you want to get a, a better handle on who he is as a character. The origin, telling where he came from and kind of how he got here. And it will surprise you if you have not read it. And then his time in Japan as a samurai, basically. And, and his code, and, and it gives you the conflict of who he is as a person. And I think that's something to be aware of, and we're going to get into that a little bit when we get into uh, why I like him. So something I started with Iron Man, I'm going to continue here, Sabretooth, top villain. That is that, that, to me, is Wolverine's top antithesis. He is everything Wolverine would be without a moral compass. He, he doesn't have... He doesn't have a, a true north. He basically just does whatever he feels like, and he doesn't care what the consequences are. And he's got similar powers to Wolverine. He doesn't have the, the adamantium uh, uh, claws or the or the skeleton, but he's got a great healing factor. He's very large. He's he's strong. He's enhanced. He's got a lot of the same. He's got the healing abilities. So he's got a lot of what Wolverine has. But he's slightly different, and if you read Origin, you're going to see where that all comes from. Uh, the Iron Sabretooth started out in Iron Fist number 14 from August 1977, created by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. And I think it's a good, not that you're going to read Iron Fist number 14, because I don't know where you'd find that right now unless you go to a comic book shop. But know that Sabretooth is everything Wolverine hopes to never be, and sometimes becomes because the situation dictates it. So, here's the key. You know, the movies like the comics. <laughs> Again, yes and no. Uh, each of the movies has some basis in the comics. And we're talking about uh, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and The Wolverine. We'll talk with X-Men, those three movies at a different time, or, or, the, or the reboots in the 60s. We'll talk about those at a different time. 
uh, when we get to team books. But right now we're talking about individuals. And those two individual movies, yes, there are some things that are in the comics that some of the characters in the comics, actually all the characters in the comics, the stories don't take place anywhere close to what you see in, in these two movies. They were done, again, for dramatic effect. Um, Wolverine Origins, it's 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 not even close to anything that's ever been published in the comics uh, prior to that movie coming out. I mean, there's been things since that based on the movie, but uh, no, that's not a that's not a comically accurate um, portrayal, and frankly, not really a great movie. Um, it left me wanting a lot more, and maybe I was un- unable to suspend my disbelief completely to the ludicrous nature of that that movie. There was just a mashup of Marvel characters, and I felt it was like a chance to launch other franchises, uh, specifically Deadpool and Gambit, neither of which were even remotely in in the realm of uh, comic comic times for those for Wolverine. They, they didn't exist. They, they were created long after the events in that movie took place. So it, it's just ludicrous to me that that was even part of uh, part of what we're dealing with here. Um, in that movie, they actually d- dealt with the TMI disaster in 1979, which, if you remember, 1975, he was with the X-Men, and you didn't see the X-Men in that movie because they didn't somehow didn't connect it. It's it's crazy. Um, the Wolverine it does have characters that were involved in Wolverine's history and past, but not in that story arc, storyline or story arc. It just it, the Silver Samurai was not. A suit of armor for a dying Japanese man. It it was it's just it it's bothersome. Take it for what it is. It was action, um, some plot. Although I, I I've been disappointed um, in how these movies were made. Now, so far we've talked about movies. Um, the Iron Man movie was made by Marvel Studios, so that's unique. The Spider Man movies we talked about, the five that are out. Plus the Wolverine movies and the X-Men movies were not made by Marvel Studios. Uh, Sony did the Spider-Man movies, and um, I believe it was Paramount does the uh, X-Men. So we're not talking about the same continuity, the same level of commitment, the same uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we'll discuss that later when we get to the the uh, group stuff. But this is something you got to be aware of. This These are made by people who probably know the characters on a very basic level so they're not really focused on on making a good accurate representation nor are they even focused on making understanding the characters and their motivations so you get what you get and it's not always pretty and i think in both these senses i I wanted to like both these movies i I can't because they're, they're not good movies take away their accuracy they're not good movies and that's a problem i think when you're dealing with comic book characters you have to make a good movie first and if it's accurate to the comics great but if it isn't a good movie it doesn't matter how accurate it was it's irrelevant so why do i like him why do i like wolverine why should you like wolverine because i think there's there's a lot to like about this character something not to like about this character um i think he speaks to our primal urges He, he he's the guy who can let loose at the drop of a hat short tempered um just able to lash out as needed for the situation. And and I think we all have that rage in us once in a while who we just want to be able to 
you know, quickly take care of the situation and move on. We don't want anybody to mess with us. Nobody wants to be picked on. Well, he's not picked on. Not not for long, anyway. Um, I think the the healing factor, the the super sharp claws and the unbreakable bones, give you that sense of I can do anything. He doesn't age quickly. He can heal from all practically anything. And I've, in some of the comics, he basically is ash and regenerates. So he can heal from anything. And he could do almost anything to himself with little or no side effect. To get drunk is almost impossible because his healing factor removes the alcohol. It's 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 phenomenal, and I think all of us would like to say that would be kind of cool. Um, he feels the pain from all this. He, I mean, he has nerve endings. He feels the pain. It's not pleasant, and that probably makes him angrier than he would like to be. But it, it does, you know, it does think something he has to do. But he's always got this animal urge and, and anger just beneath the surface that he's always trying to keep back. He can't ever seem to keep a girl or get the girl he wants. Uh, this starts out with Jean Grey in, in uh, the beginning of the X-Men reboot. Um, his time in Japan, he marries a girl, but he doesn't. He can't spend time with her because of other commitments. And in some convoluted way, he just can't be with the people he loves. Uh, and I think that... It's tragic, and he's flawed. He's been a father figure to some people. Uh, he's got wards. He's got mentoring. He's a headmaster at a school. He just he just has a lot of things he's trying to do, and he wants to be better, and he wants to, to help others, but he can't quite get there. And just like every other Marvel character, he's flawed in some way, and therefore I think it makes him relatable to the reader. He's got flaws. Now, do you have those exact flaws? Probably not. Uh, but you, you understand what we're dealing with here. You understand how difficult it is to just keep it all together. You know, you want to be happy, but sometimes life is just taking a taking a downpour on you, and you just can't get past it. Um, he's a mutant. He's got that going against him, which is a thinly veiled um, racism type of thing. In the Marvel Universe, it's it's their their code for racism is anti-mutant, so it's racist. Um, so he's always got people who fear and hate him simply for who he is, and that was a bigger deal in the '60s. I think it's they've toned it down a little bit since then because it's not quite as overt. Racism still exists, and so the anti-mutant mutantism still exists in the Marvel Universe, but it's not quite um, what it was uh, earlier in the when it was coming around. So I think this is somebody you can relate to. He def- doesn't suffer fools lightly. He, he's excessively loyal and willing to resort to fighting to do the things we... And here's the key. He's willing to do the things that need done simply because they need done. He's not the guy you go to and say, this is mom, dad, this is my boyfriend, Wolverine. That's not that's not the guy. He He's the guy who gets the job done. He does the dirty work that needs done simply because somebody has to do it. And that's his role. That's his role. It doesn't make him feel good. He's not happy about it, but he has to do it because somebody has to do it. So somebody else could say, well, I didn't have to do that, so that's great. I'm, I'm perfect. Um, he's gone by a number of names. Uh, Logan, most commonly. James Hallett is not something he really goes by, except in formal situations where it pops up. But Logan is really um, what he's known by, and that's how he... When he's out of costume, that's what he's called. He's a he's a great character 
who has so many um, problems, but he's always trying to persevere. And I think that's, that makes him phenomenally attractive to the general public because they can relate. They've got violent streaks. They've got anger issues. But they just they just want to help people. They just want to be good. And sometimes they just want to be left alone. He has that. He has those moods. Just leave me alone. So I think you've got a lot to, to love in this character. And I think if you delve into it a little deeper, you're going to find, okay, the movies weren't a totally accurate representation of who he was or is in the comics today. But it gives me a good chance to get to know him a little bit better and understand him a little bit better. And hopefully I'll want to know more about him as time goes on. So thank you for listening. If you've got questions, if you've got comments, please let us know. Um, next time we'll, we'll talk about another character from the Marvel Universe. And uh, we'll see if we can't get a, a handle on what that character actually represents uh, versus the movies you've seen them in. All right. Thank you very much. I'm Chad. And good night.